Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Are you ready to hear the word this morning? I hope you're as ready as I am excited, because I'm ready to preach this morning. And we started last week a series called Overflow, and we are on week two today. But last week, we talked about, uh, in the message entitled, An Overflow of Love, we talked about Zacchaeus in Luke 19, and saw how Jesus took note of him as he was passing through Jericho. Then Jesus went to his house, even though he was a known, notorious sinner, Zacchaeus was. And then also we saw how a transformation took place in Zacchaeus' heart. And about that, how do we know? The guy who was known for taking money, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, so he was known for taking money, and he was a little greedy and would skim off the top, so he, was, he became very wealthy. The guy who was known for taking money was now the one giving it away. He was giving it away. And we ended by saying, God is not after your money. God is after your heart. And that's a key difference. Zacchaeus' generosity, as he began to give it away, is only possible because of the overflow of love he experienced in his encounter with Jesus that day. And so we also emphasize the mission of the church. And it's also echoed in that story of Zacchaeus when Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And so that is still the mission of our church, of God's church, is that we seek and save those who are lost. God's heartbeat is for the lost. We are the church. We are the church. The church doesn't exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. So it's important that we get that perspective right. So we talked about an overflow of love. Today in week two of our overflow series, with God's help, I want to share with you a message entitled, An Overflow of Generosity. An Overflow of Generosity. This is a message basically on biblical stewardship. How do we handle money? How do we handle time? How do we handle uh, other resources that come into our life? And with God's help, I hope to share the biblical blueprint for our Overflow Capital campaign. So basically, we're going to be in First Chronicles chapter 28 and 29. And as we look through those two chapters, you're going to discover how we planned this month of May as we've launched last Sunday publicly our Overflow Capital campaign. You might have missed last week. That's okay. Basically... Uh, We gave a timeline of the renovation. If you walked in for the first time, you saw we have four panels in the foyer uh, showing the diagrams, the layouts of the renovation project. And so we have to fund the project. We have to have money to be able to do work on the building. And so today, with God's help, I want to share with you how we found our approach in terms of what we're doing through this month of May. In your bulletin, you would have also received... An overflow events card. 
which shows you exactly what we're doing in the month of May. If you did not receive one, you can head to guest services in the foyer and, and pick one up. And it's going to share with you all the events that are happening leading up to our big reveal Sunday on June 11th. But let's get into the word before uh, we get to our main text in First Chronicles. I just want to say a few things. Stewardship, we're talking biblical stewardship. Stewardship is the use of God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. God-given resources that help us accomplish God-given goals. And we said as a church, we feel that God has spoken to us, the church leadership, and said, this is the season, this is the time where we need to do this. And so we are taking steps of faith. They are literal steps of faith to say, Lord, this is for your honor and for your glory. We're going to do this. And we're going to see him help us through the process. But Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25 says this. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. And those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So it paints a picture in in this proverb for us that those who hold tightly to money and their hand is like a closed iron fist, they will lose it all. But those who give freely actually become more wealthy. And I once heard this saying that wealth is not measured by how much money you have, but rather by how much you give away. That's how you measure someone's wealth. Not that saying that we have to do that. Um, doesn't matter. But if, you, if you're wondering in your own life, it's not about how much you have, but how much you actually give away. And the Bible also says that he who gives to the poor lends to God. And God knows how to repay us. Can somebody say amen to that? And so think about that even. The next time you walk, we're talking about an overflow of generosity. The next time you see someone begging for money and they're shaking a cup, I mean, you know what you're typical response would be. And I remember thinking, well, I've seen this person about a dozen times already. They're just milking the system and wanting my money. And then I read that verse afresh and anew. And I was actually convicted. He who gives to the poor lends to God. What is it of my concern on what they're going to waste the money on or use the money on? If it's to buy cigarettes or to buy food, because they are literally homeless. Am I supposed to care? I don't know. I don't find that necessarily in that scripture. But if my motive is I'm giving to the poor and it's as if I'm lending to God, God's going to reward my motivated act. And God will see that. And I don't do it for others to see. I give out of an overflow of what I've already received in my own life. And so God, again, is not after our money. What is he after? Our? Let's say that again. God is not after our money, he's after my my heart. Chances are, though, once God has my heart, generosity is almost a second nature thing now. To give. Why? Well, we read it last week in John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave. So if there's love in your heart, and God is love, and if he has your heart, generosity, the act of giving has to become second nature. 
It's going to be a part of who we are in response to what God has done in our lives. And so, again, our blueprint is in 1 Chronicles 28. So if you have your Bible, turn there with me. And we're going to jump through uh, two chapters worth of, of different scriptures in there. Because it's important for you to see this journey that we are on. And I referenced it last week. It's a spiritual journey. Our overflow capital campaign. It's a spiritual journey for our church. Why? Well, when we are generous beyond our imagination... The love of God is in this place. The love of God is in my life. When I'm able to give above and beyond what I've ever given in my personal life. And so today I want to show you in scripture where we find our pattern. It's not a plan that we devised as a church board, as a building committee. Um, This is a pattern that we've modeled after scripture. And guess what? God won't ever fail his word. And so I'm... I'm confident as I lead our church through this process, along with the team and the board and everyone else, that we are going to do this. And God is, God is the one leading us as, as we are leading the church to give generously towards the overflow capital campaign. So check, if you have First Chronicles 28, this is what it says in verse 1. David summoned all the officials of Israel to Jerusalem the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of the army divisions, the other generals and captains, the overseers of the royal property and livestock, the palace officials, the mighty men, and all the other brave warriors in the kingdom. So essentially in verse 1, he's calling together all his leaders. That's what David is doing. He began the process. They were going to build the temple. And he began it by gathering his leaders. In the same way, since the beginning of March, probably even into mid-February, I could say, uh, I've been meeting regularly with our church leaders and the leaders of the Overflow Campaign. We were getting things started in mid-February into early March. And so we called the leaders, we assembled, and we began to talk about what it is that God wanted us to do. But look at verse 2. Of First Chronicles 28. It says, David rose to his feet and said, My brothers and my people, it was my desire to build a temple where the ark of the Lord's covenant, God's footstool, could rest permanently. I made the necessary preparations for building it. But in verse 3, I don't know if it's on the screen. But God said to me, you, you must not build a temple to honor my name, for you are a warrior and have shed much blood. So that was to David. But in verse 2, what I really want you to take note of is as David gathers all these people, he says to them, I had it on my heart to do this for the Lord. I had it on my heart to do this. In 2015, in March, at our annual general meeting, as a church, we voted to go ahead with this. And we said, let's do this. We're going to do this. Now, I wasn't the lead pastor in 2015, uh, actually, May 29th it mar- will mark one year since I was officially installed as the lead pastor here at Weston. And I'm excited. I never thought in the first year I would be the one to do this. So in a way, David, uh, he, he's not the one to do it. It's going to be his son, Solomon. And so David, though, had all the plans ready. And what I really want to draw attention to is, is this fact that 
David had it on his heart to do this for the Lord. I want you to know that though I wasn't the lead pastor in 2015, I have it on my heart to do this for the Lord. This isn't for, for me. This isn't for the board. This isn't even for the ones who built the church 30 years ago. This is for the future. And that's because why? We're a church on mission. And we had it in our heart as a desire to do this. Why? Well, we've enjoyed 35 years of ministry in this facility. Well, we want 35 more. We had it on our heart. I had it on my heart to see this project fulfilled. So here we are. We are doing it together. Can somebody say amen? And so in verse 2, David shares that. He's like, I had it on my heart. And he goes on in the next few verses to explain um, that it's going to be his son. It won't be him. And it, in verse 8, I want to draw your attention to that. So he says, so now with God as our witness, and in the sight of all Israel, the Lord's assembly, I give you this charge. Be careful to obey all the commandments of the Lord your God, so that you may continue to possess this good land and leave it to your children as a permanent inheritance. Be careful to obey everything I have commanded you. I want you to to understand that as someone in leadership, we sense that the Lord is the one actually leading us. In in and of my own ability, I would never attempt to do this in my first year leading our church. Um, We sense the Lord's heartbeat and the timing to do it, and it's now. I don't think anyone would argue about our excitement about it happening sooner rather than later. We've waited a while, since 2015. But it's important that we don't do it our way. We are doing it God's way. We're not coming up with strategies to, to fundraise. We're doing a capital campaign. What's the difference, you might ask? A fundraiser, when you show up to a gala or a fundraiser, you know... They're going to be asking for my money tonight. The difference of a capital campaign, it's not what we want from you. It's actually what we want for you. That's the difference. You don't come to church and we don't, uh, you know, ring you dry for your money. That's absolutely not. In fact, if your heart is not stirred in the next coming weeks as we talk about this, then don't give, please. And if you're visiting with us and you're skeptical, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not forcing anyone to give, and I'm, I'm not obliging anyone to do it. Why? We're going to look at it later. But willingness is the key, and as the Spirit leads us to give, that's how we give generously. And if it ever comes from the manipulation or compulsion from a man or a woman standing on this platform, don't give. And I'll be the first to say that. And I'm very transparent, and I'm honest. I mean what I say this morning. And so I pray you would feel and sense God's heartbeat behind this. And so David had that desire, but we have to obey the Lord's commands. We can't do things our own way. Look at what it says now in verse 9. And Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart And knows every plan and thought. And I love this part. If you seek him, you will find him. And I I, I believe with all of my heart that in this month especially, we will be talking about money. We will be talking about the goal. But please, never take your eyes off of Jesus. 
As I'm showing up to church, I'm not thinking, Lord, how do I present this to the people? I come to church to worship the Lord. And usually by the time I have to preach, I have no voice or breath left because I've, I've wasted it all on Jesus. And so our focus during the campaign is souls, it's people, yes, but it's Jesus. He's the object of our affection, of our worship. And we can never lose focus, never take our eyes off of the one who is most important and takes number one place in our lives. It's not about money, it's about Jesus. And so it's important we understand that. And so he's giving counsel to his son Solomon, who David now knows he's going to be the one leading the project. I want you to know lead team that is here. We're a team of about 30 35 strong in our church that have been busy behind the scenes preparing everything for this month that we're going through. And I want you to know that, team, we worship Jesus. Give your best in worship as we serve to see the campaign through. Give your best. We worship and we serve Him with our whole heart and a willing mind. What does the willing mind part mean? Well, there can be a lot of things my mind wants to focus on. But I have to be willing to forget it all and say, Jesus, you are worthy of it all in this process, in this season. God, you have my attention. You have my attention. It goes on in in verse 10. So take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. So there's an element of action. There's a verb there. Do the work. Be strong And do the work. And church, I want us, I'm calling the church to be strong in this season. And we got to do the work. We can't pass the responsibility to the next generation. We are sitting in, in this church as a result of one generation, 35 plus years ago, who decided to do the work. And to not stop until it was completed. And as pastor of our church, I'm committed to, to spending my energy, even sleepless nights, to see us complete the task that we've now begun. And I think it brings God great honor when we follow through with our intentions. I'll say amen to that. So I'm committing myself personally. My wife knows it. You can speak to her, ask her how she's been the last couple of months, and she'll give you a good idea of what it can look like. In verses 11 and on, we, we find that David had a good plan in place. For, like the details, if you take time to read it, First Chronicles 28, 11 and on, you're going to see every detail that David had planned. And I'm thinking, how much time did he think about this? How much time must have he sat at his, whatever the desk looked like back then, and, and drafted all of these plans And we get towards the end of the chapter. And in verse 19, if you look there with me, he says this. Every part of this plan, David told Solomon, was given to me in writing from the hand of the Lord. So it was given to him from the hand of the Lord. And you see, they were motivated. So it's not that David necessarily had all the ideas and had all the plans. It was downloaded to him from God. And I know that when we talk about plans that, like you see on the wall in the front, we pay an architect to do that. But the plan is, this is for the work of ministry. And we feel that this is, for the, Lord, this is the Lord's house, number one, uh, where we meet. But the, the ministry continues. And this is the building that we use. 
And we want it to be ready to continue that process of ministry that the building has to get used and it gets used. And so I'm excited for what's in store for us. But it's important that we understand we didn't just rush into a capital campaign plan with our own ideas. Sure, some of us had ideas, but really the hard work is saying, God, what is the path? What is the direction? What is the approach as a church that we need to take? And we err on the side of what the Word of God says, if we had to. We always want to do what God tells us in His Word. And so we find in these chapters the blueprint, and we're going to look at that. Uh, the blueprint for the generosity that we are inviting the church to. And as we look at that, if you have, you can turn to uh, chapter 29, but in Psalm 127, verse 1, it says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, the work the, 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 work the builders do is wasted. Unless the Lord builds the house. Another translation says, They that labor, labor in vain. And so we want, we wanted from the very beginning to put God at the front of everything that we are doing this month. That's why we call it a spiritual journey. And then, of course, be strong in verse 20. Be strong and courageous and do the work. And I want to say this just as we get into chapter 29. Nothing of eternal consequence is accomplished without faith and perseverance. I'll say it again. Nothing of eternal consequence, things that make a difference in eternity, is accomplished without faith and perseverance. So this is a step of faith for our church. It's a step of faith that we're all called to take. And it's going to take sacrifice on our part. David communicated a contagious vision because it wasn't about him getting glory. It was about God getting glory. And so the people caught the vision when he said, I had it on my heart to do this for the Lord. And my question is, as we embark on this capital campaign, can you see yourself in the picture of our future as a church? Can you see the difference um, this is going to make for ministry moving forward? Sometimes I forget that towards the end of this year, like the picture I have in my head as ministries happen is going to look very different. And then I get excited all over again. And faith rises in my heart all over again to say, yes, God, this is actually worth it. If it was for me, it wouldn't be worth it. We would labor in vain. If it was just for a few of us, forget it. It's not worth it. But it's for the Lord. And when it's for Him, we, we do it with all that we have and all that is within us. So chapter 28 is the detailed plan. But in chapter 29, it's the detailed plan now for the generosity part. And this is where we get our approach as we uh, lead our church towards May 28th, the Sunday where we're going to commit to giving for this. But in verse 1 of chapter 29, now David understood that it would require, like we said, faith and perseverance. I want to just look at that with you. He's the, verse 1, Then the king David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, who God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals, it is for the Lord God himself. So he knew it would take commitment and sacrifice, it would take faith and perseverance. And then in verse 2, 
It says this, using every resource at my command, David said, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. So David, as a leader, started the generosity process himself. And he says, I already started gathering. I already started doing this. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. It's pretty intense when you think about it. It goes on to say in verse 3, And now because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. Do you catch that? I mean, it's easy to just gloss over words as I read them. But as I've looked into it, if, if we want to understand it in our modern day context, they believe that the temple cost $10 billion to construct. When you consider how, much, how many tons of gold David gave, it blows your mind. And here's the other part that takes it a step further. David gave about $5 billion, half of that amount, himself. Because he was sold out to it. Because he saw the value of it. I mean, when you look at that generosity, the result of that is, guess what? Other people say, you know what? He's serious about this. We catch the vision. We get it. And now we are compelled to give. We're not uh, manipulated to give. Our hearts are stirred. And our, we're compelled now. We want to give. We want to be a part of what God is doing. And we want to build this temple. And that's basically what began to happen. So David led by personal example. In over and above giving. Extraordinary steps of faith will require extraordinary effort. It won't be easy to give more than you've ever given perhaps. It, it requires extraordinary effort. You see, here's the thing. Business as usual, response as usual. Business as usual, response as usual. Ah, church was okay. It was meh. It was good. The preacher was a bit boring, but we made it through. And now it's lunchtime. It's Mother's Day. Hurrah. Let's go. Right? Business as usual, response as usual. But when we're able to change business as usual, guess what? We get different results. We have a different outcome. There's a different response. That when we say, you know what? That took a lot of effort and a lot of faith. But you know what? I, this is a next level in my faith walk with God that I've never touched or experienced yet. You see, we will not get this great work for God accomplished with business as usual. That's why throughout the month in this overflow series, I'm going to be leading us towards May 28th, when it's our time to sacrifice and to give, and to also commit to giving over the next 36 months. It's not easy. I don't like being the guy that has to stand here and lead the church this way, but you know what? I'm here to say that it's, it's not for me, it's for Him. And if there's anyone that would be willing to do it, I said, Lord, let it be me. I want to stand before the church and lead us towards, not business as usual, but steps of faith even into uncharted territory where we will see you move and see you do things that we have never seen you do yet for us and in our midst. So that's where I'm coming from, from a faith perspective. 
In verse 5 of chapter 29, I want to read that with you. Here's what it says. And for the gold and silver and the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? So he called them together, shared this whole vision. And then he leads them to give. And he asks them the question in verse 5 of of 1 Chronicles 29. Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? So this is where we get our blueprint from. That at the end of May, we're taking time now to tell and prepare uh, hearts. To prepare individuals as well as families to give. But as well, we're going with leaders first. Because that's the the model that we see in this passage. That David, as the leader, gave first. And then the invitation was extended to everyone else to give as well. So this Wednesday, you may have seen it on the screen during the video announcements. Our leaders, our, our team, were about 30, 35 strong. And their wives and their families are all invited. We're going to do this together on Wednesday. Those of you who are on the team, you know who you are. And, and we're going to give our first fruits offering up front. And then we're going to make our commitment, which is over the 36 months. And I'm, why am I telling the whole church this? Well, the leaders, they already know what we're doing Wednesday. But I want you to know that we're not just trying to raise money here. We are doing what scripture tells us and this is the blueprint for our campaign it's not some man-made plan it's it's god made it's in the word of god and so as leaders we're going to give and as we do that i want to look at now what it says as they gave what happened what happened as they gave you see the people responded and they gave look in verse 6 it says then the leaders The family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and captains of the army, and the king's administrative officers all gave willingly. They all gave willingly for the construction of the temple of God. And it goes on to explain how much they gave. Tons of gold, tons of silver, hundreds of tons. And then in verse 9, here's what it says. The people rejoiced over the offerings. Why? For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. Notice when you're going to give leaders on Wednesday. And at the end of the month on the 28th. You're not giving to the church. You're not even giving to me or the lead team of this project. We're not giving to the bank. We are giving to the Lord. We're going to bring our offering to the Lord. It goes to the Lord. It doesn't go to man. It goes to the Lord. And so it says in verse 9 again. The people rejoiced over the offerings. For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And check this out. King David was filled with joy. Why? Because he, what he sensed was God's plan and timing for the people. He shared what he had on his heart. The plans that God had revealed to him for the temple. And the people took full ownership of it. And together they all gave willingly and and with joyful hearts. So much so that the, the chapter continues with David's prayer of praise. He responds almost like he breaks out in song. Spontaneous song. 
And you could read through it. It begins at verse 10. But I want to just highlight some things. And they might not all be on the screen. Um, but verse 12 in particular acknowledges something important. It says this, Wealth and honor come from you alone, God. Wealth and honor come from you alone. And then verse 14 says this, But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you, God? Who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? And he goes on to say this beautiful statement, Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. So if you ever wondered, is that scripture or does the pastor just like that phrase? When we take up our tithes and offerings. I want you to know this is the word of God. First Chronicles 29.14, one more time. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. I don't know about you, but I've received a lot from the Lord. I've received a lot. Every job I've ever prayed for, everything that I have is God's. It comes from Him. That's why it's not the paycheck that's your source. It's God. God is your source. Amen. So you might look to your boss and be upset with them for a raise. Hey, there's nothing wrong with asking them. But did you ever think to ask your Heavenly Father, who knows how to give good gifts to His children? Amen. And honestly, I've been praying the last two months solid now that God, in, as we enter this season of, for an overflow of generosity, I said, Lord, I pray that you would even promote everyone who's in our church in their position. I, I pray that. Why? Well, because then you could even give even more. <laughs> but again, God is after your heart, not your money. But if you can trust him, why not? And I said, Lord, promote our people. Let them see your goodness. And if they want to give, but they feel like they can't give as much as they want, and they feel limited, then promote them, God. Bless them with a raise or a bonus that they can give. And here's another one. Maybe a government check that came back. Tax return season. Maybe you don't have extra money from income in terms of what you get paid, but you might have a couple of thousand dollars. And maybe you were wondering how to spend it, what gadgets you want, uh, maybe to paint the house. The house can possibly wait. Again, I'm not manipulating. I'm just leading you to think, are you willing to see what God can, can do through you? Are you willing to see what God can do through you? So the blueprint for our overflow capital campaign is in Scripture. And, and I hope that you can go home, read through those two chapters, and you will see... How it just takes a leader who's willing to speak the heart of God, the heartbeat of God, and then the willingness of the people. The response, great joy. Everyone willingly gave, and not only willingly, wholeheartedly. means all of their heart was in it. Again, God's not after your money, He's after your heart. So to experience the overflow of generosity, God has to be the owner of your heart. And then when you understand that and you have that relationship with Him, you begin to recognize your perspective changes. And you say, wow, Lord, everything I have is from you anyways. So really I'm being generous, but I'm just giving back what you first gave me, as we read in Scripture. 
And the response was everyone was happy. David, David is, is rejoicing as well. And so 1 Chronicles 28 and 29 is a picture of self-sacrifice, really. We're at the home stretch, so don't worry. There's a lot of information I'm sharing. But I pray that it grips your heart. The details, we can fill you in on all of that stuff anytime that we want. But, but get the spiritual stuff today. 1 Chronicles 20, 29 is a picture of self-sacrifice. Uh, we see an overflow of generosity from David and the people. And here's the sad part for me. In today's church, the church in general, not our church. Uh, we said this on Friday night with our young adults. But much of today's preaching seems to lean towards self-improvement. Where... Uh, it's not even about self-sacrifice. It's how you can improve your life and you could live a better life and your best life now. And, and sadly, our message in the church has become one of self-empowerment as well. And it says, God wants to make you happy. Just add a little bit of God to your life and He will bless you. He'll prosper you and make all of your dreams come true. Right? If God really wants my heart then that kind of preaching is very shallow and unbiblical, I would say. And so it's important that we know the Word of God, we understand what God says in His Word, and then we obey. We live that out day to day. And that's, it's hard to discern unless you know God's Word. But you can hear preaching and it's, it gets you excited because I want my best life now. I only have one life to live. I want, I want to live it to the full. Well, guess what? That you can't make yourself happy. I mean, you can. But true joy and contentment comes from the Lord. When you understand that, your circumstances could be less favorable. But you can have more joy than anyone else who's, who's driving the nice car. And, and I've heard enough testimonies, life stories, from rich people who had it all and were lonely and left with nothing. Even though they had every possession you could imagine. So don't chase things, chase after God. And you will see God show up in a great and mighty way. Um, but self-sacrifice, it's, it's, it's not a popular message, but this is something I have to call the church to in this season, is we have to be willing to open up our hand and say, God, if you truly have my heart, then the money is, is not, doesn't mean anything because it comes from you anyways. And as you give... If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly, the Word of God says. But as you sow generously, you then reap generously. And so farming is a great parallel to, to giving and sowing in the kingdom with our finances even. Because it will go a lot further than, than if we put that money in the bank and in man's hands. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.